Welcome back to the Cinderella Theorem. If you missed the previous chapters, you can find them on this podcast in the episode list. And now, chapter 21, Everyone is Sad. The cell door closed with a thud. Levi looked at me through the window. Enjoy your stay, princess. He flashed his greasy smile. After his footsteps faded, I counted by squares to 400 and let out a sigh. I was in. But would I really be able to get out? I looked around the cell. Except for a pile of straw in the corner, it was less like a dungeon and more like a nightmarish classroom. An old desk sat in the middle, a chalkboard hung on one wall, and math books were stacked in the corner. That was the classroom part of the equation. The nightmare part equaled no chalk with which to write. The books were sealed shut, and worst of all was the art. Framed and hung all over the walls were equations obviously meant to annoy me. Every equation was wrong and designed to look pretty. 7 plus 5 equals 75 is prettier to look at than the accurate 7 plus 5 equals 12. Other such gems included 6 times 6 equals 66, 8 minus 3 equals 83, 4 divided by 9 equals 49, and 45 plus 70 equals 4,570. I ignored the math art. This was the best they could do at keeping me sad forever? I was annoyed, certainly, but not exactly morose. Great, I sighed. Another quest cause word. I hoped Morose and Ebony weren't pushing vital algebraic equations from my mind. Looking out the window in my door, I saw a guard pacing the hallway. When he passed my cell, I glanced at my watch. 7.45 p.m. I sat at the desk and waited for his return. I needed to calculate how long it took for him to complete his rounds. This was an integral part of Doug's plan. In the HIA office, we'd study my map table's heat-sensing map of the dungeon. I watched the dot that represented the guard move around and around the dungeon while Doug explained the rest of the plan. He would send a map of the dungeon through my shoe. I had seen one back at the HIA office, but we didn't know exactly where they would put me. Because the map table had heat-sensing capabilities, we could see which cells were occupied. There were 32 cells total. 12 of them were occupied before I arrived. I was the 13th prisoner, but I expected Talus to keep his word and empty at least one cell. Then I would only have to rescue 12 people. 12 prisoners plus Lily equals 13 prisoners, minus three prisoner equals 12 prisoners. I didn't think Talos would actually free Ella. He had cleverly not agreed to that. He only agreed to empty a cell. I just hope he hadn't freed Kalo. I needed Kalo's help to get everyone else happy. A sudden pain in my left foot meant Doug's first update had arrived. I kicked off my shoe and unfolded it. The map of the dungeon was clear. Doug had drawn a circle around my cell and marked it, Lily. On the other side of the hallway, six cells away, he had marked an X through a cell with a notation, Ella's birds, freed. I slipped my shoe back on without tying it. More updates were coming and they hurt less with my shoe loose. I tucked the laces in so I wouldn't trip. I had hoped the evil stepmother or the evil queen from the candlemaker's daughter would be the freed prisoner, but on second thought, I was glad I wouldn't have to talk to the birds. I heard footsteps coming from the hallway, so I quickly sat on the map. I looked at my watch, 7.52. It had taken the guard seven minutes, but I had no way of knowing if this was accurate. Any mathematician knows you need lots of data to interpret from before making a conclusion. What if he had been delayed on his circuit and it usually only took five minutes? I would have to get an average time. As his footsteps faded, I focused on finding Kalo. When I left my cell, I could either go left or right, 50% chance of choosing correctly. Going left meant another choice almost immediately as it split in two directions. Going right meant a long hallway with only two cells to check, but it was the only way to get to one of the -the out-of-the-way cells unless I backtracked later. Where had they put him? I decided to take the longer route to avoid the backtracking, which would waste time and be unmathematical. 
Also, I would be following the path of the guard and less likely to run into him. Confident in my mathematical decision, I smiled and lay on the pile of straw, waiting for the guard to return. If he looked in, I hoped he would think I was lying there in defeated position, thinking depressing thoughts. He returned at 7.58. Hmm, only six minutes that time. While he was gone the third time, I decided to test Doug's theory that I'd be able to get out of my cell because I wasn't unhappy. I quietly put my hand on the handle. It turned completely and the door pulled in a little. Inexplicably and unmathematically, I'd be able to walk out into the hall whenever I wanted. I looked at the door more closely. There wasn't even a keyhole. Apparently locking people up with their unhappiness was rather effective. Next, I rubbed the marble to make myself invisible and slipped out of the cell. I closed the door and looked in my window. I needed to see what the guard would see. I needed to find a blind spot. After successfully discovering one near the door, I slipped back in and returned to visibility. I continued hanging out near the door. It was important that I look impatient when the guard passed next. He was back at 8.07, nine minutes. I thrust my arm through the window and assumed my princessly demeanor. You there, guard. He stopped and raised an eyebrow. I brought my arm back in. Could I possibly have a blanket? This cell is quite chilly and I'm ready to retire. He brought the blanket back in about seven minutes. As he was leaving, I called out, since I'll be sleeping now, I'll thank you to step lightly as you pass my door. He made a scoffing noise, stomping his feet loudly as he walked on. When his footsteps had faded, I dashed to the straw on the corner and made a pile that when covered with a blanket resembled a sleeping person. Taking a deep breath, I went to stand near the door and made myself invisible. While I waited, I reviewed the route I would take. Out the door, turn right, check the second door on the left, turn left, check the second door on the left again, continue on, turn left, check the first door on the right. I continued repeating the route until I was sure I knew it, and I heard the guard returning. I held the marble poised to reappear if necessary. He came to the window and looked around slowly. He was so close I could smell the fish he'd had for dinner. He narrowed his eyes as he looked at the body in the straw, but eventually he walked on. When I couldn't hear his footsteps, I slowly opened the door and slipped out, closing it just as quietly. I walked silently to the left and checked the first occupied cell on Doug's map. I stood on my tiptoes to see inside. Not Kalo. I didn't recognize the occupant. I had no clue who this man was. I almost laughed when I thought of what Kalo would say. You didn't know who he was, Lily? How can you be so useless? This is a perfect example of why you should know everyone in the kingdom on a facial recognition basis. I bit my lip. It was true. I should have known who this man was, but I didn't. I didn't have any more time to think about it. Just as I turned away, a stroke of mathematical genius struck me. I didn't know who the man was, but Kalo would. If I used my mathematical mind to describe whatever was making him sad, then Kalo, the brilliant happyologist, would be able to figure out who he was. I looked in again. The man was trying to take a ring off his finger. An empty cradle stood in the corner. On the wall hung a picture of a really beautiful, really evil looking woman. She reminded me of Posha Bain or Morgan Le Fay. I repeated the items again to seal them in my memory and I turned the corner to the left. The first cell on this hallway was empty. The right-hand side had no cells on it. Apparently, it was just a wall. I checked the cells quickly anyway. Mathematically, it's always better to be safe than sorry. In the second cell on the left, a woman sat on a low stool. She wore black morning clothes. On the wall hung an embroidered sampler that read, children are the comfort of old age. Underneath it were empty picture frames. One of them was engraved with the words, mother's pride and joy. I memorized her sad items and moved on. The next three cells were empty, just as the map had reported them. I walked as quietly as I could here. This hallway formed a beautiful right angle with another hallway. 
I peered carefully around the corner to see if the guard was still in the intersecting hallway. He wasn't, so I turned left and checked the first door, hoping it would be Kalo. I peered through the window. A young woman sat in a corner, trying to sew by the light of a flickering candle. She was quietly crying and whispering to herself. I strained my ears to hear what she was saying. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. It isn't real. It's not really him. There is no baby crying. A baby crying? I didn't hear anything. I listened for another moment and still heard nothing. Obviously, this wasn't Kalo. I memorized what made her sad and turned away. I walked very quietly. The perpendicular hallway was short and intersected another hallway. I had studied this hall very carefully on the map table. The guard walked through it twice on his route, the first time on the left side and the second on the right. I stopped to calculate. He was about 45 seconds ahead of me since I had waited for his footsteps to fade. Based on the data I'd gathered about his route, I knew he took between six and nine minutes to complete it. Twice he came back in seven minutes, so between 360 seconds, six minutes times 60 seconds, and 540 seconds, nine minutes times 60 seconds, I could expect him to return to a given spot. I would, of course, use the lower end of the equation, better safe than sorry, as Newton would say, if Newton had ever done anything like this. I spent a moment imagining Sir Isaac Newton finding a way to use the law of gravity to free Kalo. Then I returned to calculating. I was already 45 seconds behind. 360 minus 45 equals 315 seconds. I estimated that each doorstop had taken about 30 seconds for me to observe and memorize, so three stops at 30 seconds each equals 90 more seconds. 315 minus 90 equals 225 seconds until the guard came up behind me. Additionally, I estimated three seconds for each of the empty cells that I checked. Three times six equals 18 more seconds. 225 minus 18 equals 207 seconds. Plus, I had been moving slowly, so I subtracted another 30 seconds. 207 minus 30 equals 177 seconds. Finally, I subtracted another 90 seconds for how long I had been standing there calculating. 177 minus 90 equals 87 seconds. I was just wondering if the guard had already walked this hallway for the second time when he suddenly came around the corner. I flattened myself against the wall and waited quietly until he turned the corner to the right. As silently as was mathematically possible, I began to trek to the next occupied cell. It was on the left, three doors down. No one was in the first two cells, but one of them was full of feathers. So glad I don't have to talk to those birds. Just as I reached the third door, the guard re-entered the hallway. I sucked my breath in. I had forgotten that when he left this hallway, he only went down a short three-cell hall and doubled back to pass by my cell. When he had turned the corner, I let my breath out and took a hesitant step forward. The margin of error in this equation was so small, there was no room for my carelessness. Ella was in the next cell I checked. My stomach twisted with guilt. My friend, I hoped she would still be my friend when this was over, sat at an easel painting, but she wasn't creating her usual paintings of talking birds or cleaning supplies. Instead, whenever she put the brush to the canvas, colors spread in all directions, melting together to make a complete picture. The first stroke I saw became Avon searching through his old map room, looking for his maps. When Ella, horrified by this picture, withdrew the brush, the image vanished. She touched the canvas again, and there was Miranda and Grimm, radiant and happy on their wedding day. Ella herself was in the background, looking very sad. She removed the brush again, the picture melted away, and she buried her face in her hands, crying. I wondered why she didn't just stop trying to paint. I began putting together a formula for the probability of her being magically confined to the stool when I noticed the rest of her cell. It was filthy, disgustingly so. Its filth defied all mathematical laws. How could one room be so dirty? 
The only clean spot was the small circle in the center of the room where the easel stood. No wonder Ella was there. She couldn't bear being in any other part of the cell. <sighs> I sighed. Ella's unhappiness may not have been all my fault, but I certainly had not done all I could to help her. I looked at her once more and made a promise to myself. If I get out of this alive, I will do all I can to become a true protector for these people. I will stop trying to make them what I think they should be, and I will stop being so selfish. Because I knew now, my selfishness had done this. I was so angry about my plans being messed up that all I could do was figure out how to quickly deal with the new stuff, magic, fairy tales, measuring happiness, so I could get back to my mathematical plans. A princess should be more than that. I tore myself away. Kayla was more important right now, and I needed to stick to Doug's plan. The next two cells were empty, but the third was not. When I looked in, I saw Kalo reclining in his pile of straw. Every inch of wall space was covered with screens, playing fleeting clips of Kalo's unhappy past. Thomas and Kalo fighting as children, a lonely, younger Kalo walking alone. Then the screen shifted to a scene of the HIA office without Kalo. Everyone looked glummer, grim especially. Then suddenly, the happyologist started vanishing, and Levi was there greasily running things. Kalo sighed deeply, and I looked to see what had meant with his response. There, strangely on the screen, was me. Images of me working alone in our cubicle, dancing with various citizens, walking through the castle, laughing. Thank you for listening to this chapter. If you can't wait a week for the next installment, you can always purchase the Cinderella Theorem on Amazon.com in either a print or Kindle version. If you have friends who would enjoy the story, Tell them about this podcast. I love to hear from my fans, so if you have a question for me, please reach out on the Lily Sparrow Chronicles Facebook page. Until then, may all your stories have happy endings.